Welcome back to the Bet for Scoff DFS show here at betforscoff.com. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. Joined today, first up, you know him as the host of the Back Nine Bets podcast, the model maniac on Twitter. It is none other than Byron Lindeque. Two weeks of vacation, Byron. How are you feeling in your Jets hat? Oh, you know, feel you have to have a lot of good vibes, a lot of confidence to wear a Jets hat. And after a Seb Straka outright last week, things couldn't be better for me. So the Jets world's good. Golf betting world's good. Byron's happy. Let's go. They did win the Hard Knocks episodes. And by win, I mean literally get told by the NFL, no one else wants to do this garbage. You have to do it. But today's not the day to talk about football because also on this show, we can't be a trio without a third. So he is PGA Splits 101 himself, Ron Kloss. Ron, how are you feeling? Yeah, doing well. Uh, we're kind of headed down the home stretch here. Um, I'm always a huge fan of getting on UK time and firing up the coffee at 2 a.m. and, you know, kind of taking naps during the day. And I always enjoy watching players deal with the elements on these links courses. And uh, looks like we might have some weather, some wind, maybe a little bit of rain mixed in here. And uh, we also, at the very end, we're going to talk a little barbasol. We've got one of those riveting fields of the year in Kentucky. And uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that as well. Some quick notes on Barbersaw, as you mentioned at the end of the show. Also, friendly reminder before we dive into the Scottish Genesis Open that your lineups will lock at 2.15 a.m. Eastern. So after listening to this, set those because I guarantee by the time you wake up or are still up after martinis, then your lineups will have locked by then. So be very careful, everyone, this evening. And I want to begin, Ron, with your course preview, free for everyone at the site, because as you mentioned, a Lynx course with extensive rough, three to five inches long, not normal, not usually the the length for this course, and we expect that to perhaps penalize golfers. At the same time, though, a long iron course, 48% of shots coming from 175-plus yards on approach. So what are your thoughts when building DFS lineups around this particular course? Yeah, so with only four holes by the ocean, you have kind of very undulating terrain. You have, like you said, kind of thick rough off the fairway on, on numerous holes. You got a lot of wooded tree areas, so it's not a, really a traditional Lynx setup, but it does have Lynx qualities. You know, it is right by the sea. Uh, the turf is very firm, even though with all the rain they've had, it might be a little softer this year. Um, you have these, uh, obviously, the deep pot bunkers with riveted faces that are really penalizing. Um, and the greens do encourage the use of the ground game uh, for players to kind of play the ball low, um, flood it down in the wind. Um, so, so it does have a lot of links qualities. Um, weather is pretty much everything at this event. Um, when the winds are calm, it, this is actually a very easy course. If you go back to the tournaments here in 2019 and 2021, it averaged almost 1.9 strokes under par. But when the coastal breezes kick up like they did last year, um, scoring can be very tricky. Um, it played 1.73 strokes over par last year when Xander won at seven under. So um, there's really hardly any penalty for missing the fairway unless you're missing really wide. Um, so I think the course kind of favors length off the tee, uh, along with accurate long iron players who can kind of flight their ball in the wind. And I think three putt avoidance is going to be really huge this week. You have these very big undulating greens. Um, that are very slow. And so it might take a little bit for players to kind of get back into that, you know, link style golf where you have these slow greens. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about the course. 
Byron, your thoughts ahead of building DFS lineups this week. Yeah, so I'm going to go about more roster construction versus like the actual course that we're going to have because like Ron said, this weather can really determine how the, the tournament unfolds. We've seen minus seven, minus 22. So I'm going to build different types of player narratives where I have guys that are birdie makers, easy scoring condition player pools, put them all in the same rosters. And then I'm going to do a, a player pool that's got guys that tend to like shine in difficult conditions like Shane Lowry's and those kind of golfers. We'll get into them as we go along, but I think that's really important. And then again, stacking those guys in certain waves because it looked like we got some sort of a PM AM wave advantage potentially this week. So it's it's game theory week to the max this week. You know, I think out of all of this stuff, I think this is the week to do some game theory, especially with the field as loaded as it is. But uh, Ron, any other thoughts here before we start diving into the players at the top? Yeah, kind of related to strategy and kind of how this week is different as well. So these next two weeks are very unique and they're very tough to model out with, with data. Um, you know, half the field here is DP World Tour members. So a lot of data had an input by hand this week. Um, and I think there's a lot of reliance and almost a feel to, you know, Link's history and who plays well in these conditions. And so I think there's a there's a core group of players and I'm probably very similar to Byron in this, you know, I'm not going to stray too far from this core group that I feel really comfortable with on this type of course. And you also have somewhat of a conundrum this week. So, I mean, let's face it, there is a very sizable talent gap between PGA Tour players and these DP World Tour players. But on the other hand, most of these European players have way more experience on these types of courses. So you kind of have to balance out who you trust more. So, for example, I think, you know, Keith Mitchell is a way better player than Victor Perez, but I trust Victor Perez much more in this environment. So I think those are the types of decisions you have to make for your lineup this week. And uh, my model, which, you know, I posted um, on the site, on the Discord, I think it does a pretty good job of kind of incorporating, you know, who you can trust this week. You mentioned game theory coming into play as well. And I do want to shout out Establish the Runs, Cody Main, because he talked on Game Theory on Twitter earlier, and he mentioned that per his projections, he's expecting just 7.3% of lineups to roster two players in this range we're about to talk about, the five-figure salary range, and 83% of lineups to use at least two golfers priced at 9K and above. And so that's already gets me thinking of how to build uniquely when we talk about these top four players in Scotty Scheffler at 11-6, Rory 10-9, Shoffley, as you mentioned, past winner at 10-4, and Patrick Cantley at 10-2. So, Ron, I'll let you open up with your thoughts here. Yeah, so the top of the board, um, you know, kind of when I go to these top two players in Scheffler and, and Rory here, you know, I'm kind of blah on both of them this week. Um, you know, with the 6K range being close to unplayable, it, it's almost a little bit hard to justify their price tags, especially with all the variables this week that the weather and Lynx golf kind of bring. Um, both have missed cuts here on this course in their last start. Um, Rory has even kind of mentioned his dislike for, you know, the Renaissance club here in the past. Um, and so I, I, Almost see both of them this kind of using this week as a warm up for the open next week. 
Hmm. Um, I will say that I, I am going to play Scheffler just a little bit to just kind of cover my back because, of course, he does have this amazing streak of 18 straight um, top 12 finishes. So I think it'll be smart to get a little bit of Scheffler for sure. Um, I know both of their ownerships are, you know, going to be probably over 20 percent. Um, but if we're going down here, um, you know, and again, talking about the weather draw, you know, Shoffley and Canley might both be on the opposite side of that good weather draw. Um, as far as, you know, the PMAM looking a little better. But I think both of these guys are just kind of so similar in that, you know, Shoffley was first in my model this week. They're both, you know, they're, they're paragons of consistency. You know, when you look at Shoffley, he's not missed a cut since the 2022 Masters. Um, he's gaining in every stroke scan category. Of course, he won last year in poor conditions. And then you go to Cantlay right below him. You know, he's been a top three golfer in the world since February. He's finishing the top 15 in 17 of his last 23 starts. Um, he hasn't played a ton of links golf, you know, but he also finished fourth here last year. So, you know, I, I really like both of these two. I think their ownership's going to be a little bit lower than those two on top. Um, and so I'll be starting, you know, a good deal of lineups with, with both of these guys. Before I kick it to Byron, Ron, do you think, as you mentioned in your course preview, the greens here also slower because they're practically double the length of the average PGA course. So do you think that slow green may help Scheffler's putting or lack thereof recently? Yeah, there's different ways to look at it because also these greens are the toughest to putt from from inside five feet. And a lot of that okay. I think has to do with has to do with the windy conditions. And so you know, I think this week especially, you know, now you can look at it like, well, it's going to be tough for everyone from five feet. But I think when you're looking at that close, I think if you can kind of go back and, and even look at like the past 100 rounds and get a good baseline established, you know, when you're looking at, you know, a Terrell Hatton, a Tommy Fleetwood, a Fitzpatrick, I mean, those guys are just ultra consistent from that, you know, that five to 10 foot range and even inside five feet, obviously. So, yeah, there's, you know, you could say it's going to play tougher for everyone, perhaps, from that range. But, yeah, Scheffler, I think that's always a concern because, you know, we've seen him make 35-footers, but we've, we've seen him just have trouble with these short putts. And, you know, you get him in the wind and he starts to get frustrated. And, you know, you're paying 11-6 for that and you're expecting him to win at that price. So that's, that's a little tough for me to get to. Byron, any ownership ideas, recent form that pops here with these four golfers. So I'm seeing Scheffler in the twenties, which I find fascinating. I don't, I just don't see people putting him in that many lineups. He's 11, six, you know, like once you plug him in there, you, you dumpster diving almost immediately. Right. So um, that is something that's really peculiar to me. I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate that continuing in that range. I'm assuming he'll come in in the teens, um, especially at that price. He is the only guy shown on the screen here that is in the PMAM stack for the wave advantage there. So the other three 10K guys are all going off in the morning and then the PM wave on Friday, which is going to be a little bit more windy. So I like that. Getting back to what Ron was saying about the greens, I ran some slow putting, sl average putting metrics for Scheffler. And if you take a look at them over the last 50, last 24, last 12, it's he goes from being 131st on a baseline st standpoint to 52nd, 48th, and then the last 12 rounds on slow greens, he's 20th. So that was all that I needed to see to pull an outright on him. And I'm going to load him up in like 75 of my 150 lineups. And I think that's the way to play Scotty this week is just go big time on him in a multi-entry contest where you can rotate those 6K guys. I think it's going to be difficult to put him in like a single entry and try and pinpoint exactly 
who the 6K guys are that you're going to be using him for. So I'm curious as to like how that roster construction works for you boys. I'm curious to find out how you're going to fit all these 6K players in and who you're going to choose. I can't wait to hear this. I'm going to go like I have a handful of very bad (laughs) plays to suggest later on. Me too. It's going to be be the nasty stuff in the 6Ks. Yeah, because in large field, again, when we're trying to take down like this Millie maker on DK, I'm definitely going to tinker just for uniqueness. I'm going to tinker with Scheffler and Shoffley together and then go from there. But again, we will get to the dumpster diving plays later for everyone so they can join us in that abysmal quest. Let's get to the 9Ks, starting with Matthew Fitzpatrick at 9.8. Victor Hovland, 9.7. Tyrrell Hatton, as Ron already mentioned, 9.6. Ricky Fowler, 9.5. Tommy Fleetwood, 9.4. Jordan Spieth, 9.3. Shane Lowry, 9.1. And, of course, Wyndham Clark at a flat 9K. Tons of players here that could also just be deemed as outright bets given their recent play. Byron, I will allow you to begin. Yep. And speaking of outright bets, speaking of guys that the Betsbird squad have, I know I saw Andy and, and Noonan talking about Wyndham Clark at 55 when that opened. Yep. I was on him with that number two at 9,000 in one of the lowest owned guys in this range. He, he finished 16th here last year. So this is the US Open champion that we are talking about here, friends. And he's $9,000 flat. He's got Nuke City off the tee. His iron plays amazing and he's got a really good short game. So all of that is just so delightful to see at $9,000. So I'll be putting him in a lot of my Scotty lineups too because he gives you really lots of upside at a very affordable price tag. Then obviously you start getting a little bit more chalky with Terrell and Tommy. Terrell particularly being in that nice wave advantage there with Tommy kind of in the other one. But both of them just seem like they are just so incredibly prone to do something magical this weekend. You know, I think they're getting off the US soil back to Euro soil. They're going to win that PGA Tour event, not in America. It's going to be one of those classic examples of those kind of situations. Hopefully not. Scotty's going to win. But um, if not, that that could be the case. So some interesting characters in this range for sure. Ron, what about you? Mute, Ron. Mute. My bad, guys. My bad. Um, yeah, what I was saying is there's a pretty good core for me. Um, in this 9K range that I love. And these are these are three European guys, three guys who grew up playing in these conditions. And yes, they're going to be highly owned. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to get different kind of on the bottom. But I'll start with Fitzpatrick. Um, I just think he's, you know, kind of just doesn't get the love he deserves here. You know, I think he, everybody knows about his course history. You know, he's got the best here. He's played here all four years. He's got three top 15s, including you know, runner up in 2021. He's gained over 30 total strokes here, more than anyone, you know, kind of grew up, like I said, playing on these link style courses on the coast of England. Um, I think his short game and his putting acumen, one of the best in the field, he's a, his ability to avoid bogeys, especially, you know, if the winds kick up, like it looks like it will, especially on the weekend, you know, I think he just has a very, very good foundation on which to climb the leaderboard this week. And then you go down to Haddon, you know, agree with what everyone's saying about him. Um, he's kind of probably played the best golf out of anyone in this field to not have won an event this year. Um, you know, he's third in the world in, in strokes gain total if you go to the start of this season, you know, only behind Scheffler and Rom. Um, and so just, you know, seven consecutive top 30s. He's got six top fives over the past five months. Um, I think his long iron play, his touch around the greens, you know, he's really good when I looked you know, in that five to 15 foot range, you know, especially in windy conditions. Um, And then for me, you know, Fleetwood has been so close, you know, to a win, you know, fifth at the U S open 
I think this is a perfect spot for him here. You know, he's got two two top fives on this course. He's gained more strokes than anyone. And I, I went all the way back to 2014. You know, every Lynx course that's been played, um, most of them obviously on, you know, the either the Open Championship or on the DP World Tour. But he's played, he's got the most total strokes gained, averaging 1.77 strokes per round on Lynx courses. You know, he's just a really good win player. Um, and so, you know, I think Ricky Fowler, you know, a lot of people forget he won Scottish Open here, you know, a few years back. And, you know, he's got that kind of that piercing ball flight that I think plays really well, you know, out here on the coast. And so I do like Ricky Fowler as well as 9.5. And, you know, there's a couple guys in the lower 9K range uh, that I'll just get to here really quick. You know, I think Shane Lowry, another guy, 9,100. Um, obviously, he won the Open a few years ago. He's played in all these Irish Open, Scottish Open, so much length experience has professed his love for kind of shot shaping and, and flighting the ball and, and on these types of courses. And so, you know, he's been very consistent with his irons lately. Um, he talked about even how he usually doesn't play the week before the open, but he wants to guarantee himself a Ryder cup spot, which I don't think he has to worry about that, but you know, I think he's going to come out with some motivation this week. You know, he wants to play well. And so I'm always looking for that. And finally, uh, I think we need to talk about Wyndham Clark here. Um, you know, on the betting side, you know, again, getting him at 50 to one, I think was a steal, but even here at nine K, you know, he's got the eighth best strokes game per round average out of anybody on tour this whole season. Um, you know, coming off two wins in the last two months, including the U S open, which kind of has that LA country club has some characteristics, um, to this course. Um, and again, his irons have always been the weakest part of his game, but he's gained the six most strokes on approach in this field since the start of the year. So he's kind of just combined it all together. He's got distance off the tee, which I think also is going to be somewhat important this week. Um, so I think he has all the ingredients uh, for success at, the, at this course this week. Top 15 in this field in that five to 15 range putting as well that you spoke is so important here at the Genesis open. Also Ron, by the sound of it, since you basically mentioned every single 9K player, it seems like you're building your cores in this range and maybe even skipping out on the 10K altogether. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to watch the forecast through through the night. You know, I know, okay. uh, you know, 2.15 a.m. Is, is the lock time. But, I mean, the weather over there in Scotland changes all the time. And so, um, you know, I like Xander and Canley. You know, both of those guys are not on the good side of the weather draw, though. And so, yeah, I will be starting a whole bunch of lineups with Fitzpatrick, with Hatton, with Fleetwood, um, even Lowry's on the good side of the draw. So, yeah, I'm going to be living in that 9K range for sure. All right. Well, let's find out, starting with you, who you'll be living in the 8K range as well, since we have Min Muli getting steamed here at 8-9, Max Homa, 8-8, Justin Rose, who I know our own Ryan Newton has an outright bet on at 8-7, Sung JM, 8-6, Tom Kim, 8-5, Sam Burns, 8-3, Justin Thomas, 8-3, Aberg, 8-2, Adam Scott, 8-1, and Corey Connors at a flat 8K clause. Yeah, I do like I do like Homa this week. I think he's been kind of rounding into form a little better. Um, you know, he loves, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but you know, he he also, you know, everybody knows he went, he's he's played North Berwick, he's played these links courses, he's taken an affinity affinity to them. Um, I'm not super high on him. I will have him in some lineups, but but for me, kind of down here, I'm starting with Justin Rose. Um 
in one of the midst of the best stretches of his career, really. Um, you know, he finished 11th in my model overall this week. Four top 12 finishes in his last five starts. You know, he's kind of gaining in every strokes game category since the start of the year. Also, he's got a very stellar links course history. Um, he's the sixth best links player going back to 2014 in this field. Um, so I love Rose. love the consistency he brings. I think Tom Kim is interesting. You know, I think his form is getting a lot better, even with, you know, the miscut in Detroit. Um, he just missed a few putts here and there. He was so close to, to playing well. Um, but, you know, again, he finished third here last year in this course. Hadn't really had much length experience. So I think this is a course where maybe you don't need as much length experience um, because, again, this isn't really a true length. I think next week will be a much bigger test for that. Um, but, again, he's, uh, you know, U.S. Open, had a great finish, finished eighth. Um, he's gained 13 shots on approach when you go back to the U.S. Open and the Travelers. So, you know, again, I think he's a great leverage play. I'm looking at maybe around 6% right here. So do love Tom Kim there. And going down, um, I'm not going to say a lot about Justin Thomas. Okay, everybody knows his struggles. I know Byron is probably getting as far away from him again as he can. But when you dip this low, when you dip to 8,300, again, I don't know why he struggled so much around the green in Detroit. I was right there watching him, you know, just mess up completely around the greens. But again, before that, he played very well at the Travelers. You know, we're coming overseas. We've got a change of scenery. Everybody knows how good he is in the wind. He typically does have very good skills around the greens. Um, you don't need him to finish top 10 at this price. You know, you can get a 15th. You can get a 20th. You know, he's had a couple good, um, at least one good finish here in the past. Um, so I will have some Thomas, especially if that ownership stays low. Uh, and then I'll wrap this up in the AK for me is Adam Scott. Um, I think you're looking at a very safe play. He's been the safe play all year. He's actually shown a little bit of upside. He's got four top 20s in his last six. Another guy that I'm looking for with this excellent links course history, very strong in the wind. And his weakness, when you go back the last five years, has always been putting. And when I look this year, he's the 36th best putter on tour. Um, and looking at not just this field, but overall on tour. So he's really raised his game. Um, and so I think he's a really good kind of safe, make the cut consistent type player there for you. Byron respond to Justin Thomas and whatever else you'd like to touch on to the eight K range. Yeah. So Justin Thomas is going to be the guy that I put in the yacht, you know, with the sails, when the wind blows, he's going to be in that player pool in that boat, all the difficult conditions. Justin Thomas is going to be in there. I agree with Ron. Like this price is ridiculous now. And I'm not a, I don't think he's going to shine if it's easy. I don't see him ripping out millions of birdies. I don't see him, you know, just striping it like crazy. Give him an interesting situation where he has to rely on his talent that is just inside of him that he's not necessarily producing right now. In windy conditions, he tends to just shine. So he'll be in my difficult player pool for sure. Sam Burns will be in my easy player pool. If we see a tons of birdies and the wind's kind of down this week, he can light it up on the greens. He's got tons of distance off the tee, and every now and then his irons show up. So that's something I'm interested in there. Obviously, Justin Rose, I mean, what's not to like about that guy? And then I finally figured out what Minwoo Lee is. I went to my local little cafe over here and ordered the special a few weeks ago. And she charged me for each individual item. And then I was like, wow, okay, this is not what I wanted. I eventually get to the, uh, the window there for my delivery. And she's like, do you actually want the apple pie that comes along with the special, which I never got originally. 
and I've I paid the same amount basically and got the apple pie, but in a different roundabout way. And this is what Minwuli is. He you order what you want, and then you get a totally different outcome because the approach play is just disastrous. Like he's one of the worst iron players in this field, which has also got a whole bunch of DP World Tour guys in it. So I'm really curious to see how he does. I mean, he's won at this tournament before. So I'm kind of coming around to him, you know, like his, his short game and distance off the tee is just, it just supersedes how bad of an iron player he is. So I'm going to have to probably figure out what we're doing with him, especially at this price and that ownership. He's sitting at like 7-ish percent right now. So I really like Minwu. What is your coffee order that it entails an apple pie? It's not a, it's like, it's a cafe that you eat. I get my lunch at on a Thursday. So it's like a, you get like an Italian sub or some fancy whatever they're doing there with some chips and a, and a soda. So it's just like a nice little local place that I, we only have like two people that serve food in this little small town I live wow. in. So um, they, they did me dirty, but then they made up for it. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm expecting from Minwe. Shout out to those two people in the burbs serving you <laughs> apple pies and food. Let's chop it in half, Ron, and the seven Ks. And also, I would like to hear some ownership thoughts as we move along because I'm even trying to parse who's going to get steamed in here. And that includes Alex Smalley at 7-9, Aaron Rye at 7-8, Hajgard at 7-7, seven, seven, uh, Lucas Herbert at 7-6, seven, uh, or 7-7 seven, seven as well, Thigala 7-6, Brian Harvin 7-6, Gary Woodland 7-6, Thomas Dietrich I'm sure you'll bring up at 7-5. I know Ryan Fox also pops in your model at 7-5. Seamus Power, and Doug Gim. Let's cut it off right there and start with that bunch. Yeah, so um, I think Alex Smalley is very interesting this week. I think he mm -hmm. gives a lot of upside at that price. I think his ownership is getting a little higher than I would like just because he has proven to be very inconsistent in the past. But again, I watched him in Detroit. Watched him in his Tuesday practice round, and I've never seen a stripe show like that. Like He has literally been on fire with his irons. Um, he's a really good player in the wind. He's had a lot of success on coastal courses. Uh, he finished 10th at this course last year. So, again, that just shows you, again, this is not a true link. You don't need a ton of experience, I don't think, to play here at this course this week. Um, I will have some of him, but I, I like to drop down a little bit here to Aaron Rye. Um, you know, one here three years ago at this course, when you look at his tee degree numbers, he's a top 10 player in the world over the past six months if you take out the putting. And the good news is he's actually gained – putting in three straight events, which he hasn't done in over a year. Again, he was third in Canada. He finished ninth in Detroit. He kind of thrives on these tough courses and the elements. He, again, he played on the DP World Tour for a number of years before, you know, transitioning over to the PGA. So I think you got to really lean on that past history. I think Lucas, Lucas Hebert is really interesting at 7,700. When you look at his strokes gain data, it's other than the putting and maybe around the green play. I mean, just ball striking is just horrendous, but Again, he seems to always rise to the occasion on these, you know, Scottish Open, Irish Open, Open Championship. You know, he's got two top fives here in the past three years. You know, the course that he won on the PGA, I can't remember if it was Bermuda or where it was, but again, Bermuda. coastal, windy course. Um, so really like him this week. Um, and yeah, let's get to Ryan Fox here because I don't see how you don't play him this week. Um I don't know what, what Byron sees his ownership at. I'm seeing right between 7 to 10%, which I find shockingly low. I mean, yeah. he is one, and I know other people haven't dug into Link's course history, but he's one of the best players on these types of courses, gaining 
almost three quarters of a stroke per round, including his most recent win when he won uh, the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship last year. You know, he's performed very well this year, even in strong fields on, on the PJ Tour. You know, he's made all three cuts um, in the majors this year, including top 30s at the PGA, at the Masters, 30th at the Memorial, 27th at the Players. I mean, you, we, I could go on and on about Ryan Fox at 7,500. Um, he will be a very core, maybe my highest home player overall. You know, I'm, I'm going to look to triple, quadruple the field. Um, if that ownership stays, you know, 7 to 10 in that area, which I don't think it will, I think – I think it'll start to climb here. And then I'll stop here with Dietrich. Um, you know, I was – I had him in so many lineups in Detroit. I thought that was a perfect course for him, and then he goes and misses the cut, which, you know, he's really very consistent on those easy types of courses. And so that was a shock to me. But, you know, he he has an amazing course through here um, when you look at overall how he has performed. Um, and, again, 7,500. Um, the upside that he brings, loves playing on these types of courses. And so, yeah, Dietrich is another great play. Um, at that uh, same price. What what upside are you talking about, Ron? Uh, he hasn't had a top 20 this season. Um, he has the ability to pop. I mean, when you go to these, I guess looking at more of his past history on this course, and okay. yes, on the PJ Tour this year, he hasn't, but if you go back at his history on these, easier scoring events, even when he played at the Sudal, you know, kind of over there in Europe, Yes, he struggles on Sunday. He tends to fall apart and collapse. But I just think he has the ability here. And I guess I was talking more specifically on this course. Okay. And kind of in Europe, I think he's more consistently, he shows that upside a little better than he does when he plays in the States. I also forgot he was Australian. So, yes, a bear, not Herbert, only the Australians. Uh, Byron, your thoughts in the high 7Ks? Australians always causing us issues, huh? Um, so. Yeah, I'm out on Dietrich, especially in double-digit ownership. You know, the to me, the upside that he has shown recently not there for me. Um, Brian Harmon, Sahith Tagala. Those are two awesome pivots that I'm seeing at pretty much low ownership. But sometimes Sahith kind of gets steamed out of nowhere. Um, that's 7-9, Smalley, Rye, Herbert, or Herbert. Um, they all sitting double digits kind of right as you get in that 7K range, which I think you can probably see a lot of people clicking three of those guys in a row, you know, at that kind of price. So be careful about that. I don't think I'll be, you know, doing too much on Smalley. How I'm going to handle him, you can get plus 130 for a top 40 on Alex Smalley. So just toss a little bit of your cash on a, on a top 40 bet, cover that situation. And then if he finishes 30th, that's not going to like hurt you in DFS, but it's definitely going to still pay out for you for a top 40 bet. So I'll, I'll be doing that to kind of hedge myself against his ownership there at 7,900 bucks. I do like Aaron Rye. I'll probably play him a bit compared to the others. Um, but yeah, Brian Harmon, if he can hit that 16th fairway all four rounds and not have a meltdown after missing it short because he couldn't carry it like 260 into the wind, that'll be good. I'm out on Gary Woodland at 10% ownership. You know, he's always, I don't know, has Gary Chalk ever worked out? I'm not entirely sure about that. So, and then Seamus Power. Got to mention Seamus Power, obviously. Played pretty solid at the John Deere. And he's going to be, you know, back home in Europe and doing his thing. So those are my kind of fades. And I'm just going to pivot all the ownership. Yeah, I don't see any any reason not to. Do you think, Byron, given that not a lot of people want to dip into the 6Ks, since we what we know about construction you've talked about so far, and that pricing is thus somewhat flat, and so ownership, I don't expect to go too high towards any one golfer. Like, I honestly think 
23%, maybe the highest anyone's rostered in this field. Do you then think Alex Smalley's ownership is detrimental um, and worth taking on, or still it's not someone you want to be overweight on, given that he's still going to be 10 to 15%? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to roster a guy that's ownership is higher than the amount of top 10 percentages he's had in the season. Okay. Put it that way. Totally fair. I think I'm just asking personally because I want to play him, but I can't play him, in my opinion, at that 12 to 15 percent range. So I just bet him, you know, just bet him at top 40. Moving on to the bottom half of the seven K's, and I'll let you begin, Byron, with Kurt Kitayama, seven four. Robert McIntyre is back in our lives at seven four as well. Austin Eckroat, seven four. Hodgegaard, seven three. Bjork, seven three. Cam Davis at seven three. Adrian Moronk at 7-3. A couple others stand out are Keith Mitchell, as Ron mentioned earlier, 7-2. Bian at 7-2. Bozayden Hood at 7-2. The list goes on and on. Uh, Eric Cole as well at 7-4. Jordan Smith, 7-2. So, Byron, just go ahead and kick us off whichever direction you'd like to. Eric Cole playing in what? His 14th, 15th, 17th millionth start in a row. Basically, um, if you go take a look at his profile, he, he missed a week, but he was playing in a different charity event for four straight days. So we'll see what he can get up to, but maybe flying to Scotland, a little bit of adrenaline, whatever. He's been playing great golf. So I don't mind him at 7400 bucks at all, especially if it gets uh, treacherous out there. His short game is really, really good. What's so the ownership you're seeing right now? I think like that's 7 7 8%. Oh, okay. I could play single yeah, which is cold. That's easy. Yeah, because he's sitting right there by Dietrich, you know, which is kind of sucking all of that. I guess I just assumed, given his, as you mentioned, like his performance the last two months, even last week, I just kind of expected him to check in a lot higher. And for everyone to notice, that 7-4 price really doesn't do him any justice at all. But if no one's catching on, let's go. I think they're scared of that, that like burnout that he might be experiencing you know we saw okay. some some lackluster weekend performance from him over the weekend at the john deere we but can, hey, we can build some lineups with eric cole and ryan fox that gets nasty absolutely. in a hurry i like that a lot okay yeah baby so let's do that throw some kurt kitayama in there you know bomber played well in europe the guy's a, a world traveler i think he's played on the most pga tours across the world in out of everybody on on the planet earth so he's someone i'm interested in Alex Noren seems like he's kind of found some recent form lately. Don't mind him at all. Keith Mitchell, talk about an elite driver of a golf ball who can really get it, put, put, the, put the ball, get the putter rolling. Don't mind him. Nick Taylor, as always, at $7,100. He grades out inside the top 20 for me. Um, he's going to be a guy I put in my easy side of my player pool. Someone I put in my difficult side is Patrick Harrington. And I really like him this week because he's made, I think, in his five starts in the PGA Tour, he's made all five starts. They've been in majors, two of them as well. So he gets back to Europe. Harrington is a savant around the greens, and he's $7,100 barely owned. I'm kind of really digging what he can get up to this week. Ron, I don't know anything about Jordan Smith. I feel like we don't get to roster him often, but I do know my model is telling me he has distance. He's an amazing top 30 in this field, ball striker with long irons, and he's top five in this field and 10 to 15 foot putts. And so if I'm not supposed to play him, please talk me off of it. No, I'll start there. Um, You know, he's made four cuts in a row on the DP World Tour. He's inside the top 100 in the world rankings. Um, You know, he just tied for six at the Porsche European Open. Um, he finished 20th at the U S open. So he's another guy really good on links courses, you know, top 15 in the world, you know, going back a ways, he's got a lot of experience, 
Um, he's played here at the, at the Renaissance Open all four years, made the cut every year, finished top 25 last year. So I think he's a guy who's kind of shown he can play in these stronger field events where you have these PGA Tour players mixed in, kind of a, as evidenced by his, you know, finish at LA Country Club. Um, so I really like him. I think he's a great value. I think a lot of people really don't know about him. And so 7,200, yep, sign me up. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher here also to two players who I really love, who I'm seeing 6 7% ownership. And so Kirk Hidiyama, 7,400. Um, he's always been real comfortable on these coastal links type tracks that have slower greens. Um, he, again, he's a guy who kind of similar to Aaron Rye, who, who played on the DP world tour for a number of years. And so he's got a lot of experience here um, kind of in the UK playing on these courses. Again, he won in Bay Hill, won at Bay Hill, uh, kind of in windy conditions. So I love Kitayama this week. I know his form has not been good, but again, I think just kind of a move overseas here will really help him. Really love uh, Bobby McIntyre, 7,400. Uh, perhaps my favorite play, kind of below 7.75. 7, um, playing on home soil, kind of rounding into really strong form again after a, kind of a stretch of really poor play. He should have won. Uh, last week, and I know a lot of people didn't see this um, at Himmerland. Um, and in his words, you know, he's kind of interviewed um, this week, and you know, he says this is the best he's played in a long time. He said he has full control of all his shots again. He feels really comfortable, and again, playing in his kind of his home country's open. You know, I think he's going to have a really high motivation to perform this week. Here's another guy, Alexander Bjork. A lot of people never heard that name before. Who kind of played, you know, consistently here, but 7,300. Yes, his ownership is kind of getting to that 10% mark because I think people are kind of just hearing the name and they're hearing how much love he's getting. But when you dig into his numbers, I mean, six top tens in his last seven DP events. From fairway to green, he's probably the best player on the DP World Tour. You know, he kind of struggles off the tee. Don't think that's as much of a factor this week because you do have kind of a little bit of forgiveness with the fairways here. Another guy, and I know I keep saying this, but excellent links history. Amazingly good short game. He's made the cut here all four years. Um, I think he's a really uh, real steal at that price. Um, dropping down, Alex Noren has really showed some signs of life lately. Um, 7,200. Um, he's actually gained strokes in four straight events after uh, struggling for a long period. Finished ninth in Detroit, uh, gained five strokes on approach. He's another guy when you go back into his kind of his European tour history, seventh best in the world on links courses. Um, so he's another guy I really like. And, um, you know, there's a couple others down here, you know, I agree with Byron on, on Patty Harrington, you know, people kind of think, Oh, he's on the, you know, he plays on the old man tour, you know, I'm not going to, how can we play him here? But he's literally made every single cut in every event he's played in. Like he's kept up with the PJ players. He's outperformed them many times in, in some of these majors. So I love him. And I love Victor Perez. He's the last guy I'll, I'll talk about down here. He actually moved. He's he's French, but he actually moved to the Scottish coast because he loves playing Lynx courses so much. Um, he won the 2019 Alfred Dunhill Lynx. He won this year in Abu Dhabi, 12th at the PGA Championship. So, again, he's a guy who kind of similar to Jordan Smith has kind of become more acclimated to playing in these stronger fields with PGA players. Uh, has made the cut here each year. Um, and so he's another guy like uh, down in this range. Okay, Byron. Ron is leaving it to us to bring it home with some values if we're trying to get cute at the top. So I've got I've got a couple guys. You can come back to me at the end. Okay. okay. Well, Byron, go ahead. Go ahead and get started. 
All right. So let's go, gentlemen. We're going to start off at the top of the range. Yeah? And we're going to talk about C.T. Pan, Billy Horschel, Kevin Yu, and Taylor Montgomery. Okay. I think C.T. Pan, just he's been showing some some really good life. You know, just he's 6,900 bucks. Do what you can. He's been he's been solid. Some some top 10s, some top 20s in his recent starts. Coming back, not a lot of data on him. I think lots of people might be missing him. Billy Horschel, you know, he loves going over to Europe. Isn't he like a, a Tottenham or some soccer team? He's a big fan there or something or whatever. Man City, whatever. I don't know. But Billy Horschel, I think, can definitely scrape it around a golf course quite nicely. Kevin Yu, this guy is a ball-striking beast, man. He's 6,800 bucks. Finished T6 at the John Deere. So that to get to that deep under par, you got to be doing something right. So he did some solid stuff there. If you want to take a gamble in a easy conditions, Taylor Montgomery, don't put him in your difficult condition player pool at all. But I'm, I don't mind him to get hot on the greens, on these big greens in particular. Lee Hodges at $6,800. And then we get to 67. Harry Hall, Dylan Wu, Joseph Bramlett. So I'm just rattling off names here because these are guys I'm just going to be sprinkling in. But I really like Harry Hall. I think he's shown some great form. He's one of the better guys around the green. He'll definitely shine in these difficult conditions. Matthew Southgate's another name I want to mention. And then 6600s, we've got Ben Griffin, Sam Ryder, Michael Kim. Those are all PJ stalwarts, you know, like they can they can do it. Ben Griffin, Sam Ryder, Michael Kim. They all rank inside the top 60 in my model. So they $6,600. Now, this is all, you know, there's not a lot of DP World Tour guys in here. Aaron Badley on a coastal course. He played well at Pebble. You know, he does all of these, plays well at the Bermuda, those kind of golf courses he does well at $6,400. Francesco Molinari, a prior open champion at $6,500. He can do some damage every now and then. Ross Fisher's playing some great golf at $6,300. And then Harrison Endicott at $6,100. Just lean on that short game and hope for the best. I think he's going to be one of my guys I really put in at $6,100. And then we go from there. So I've got a lot of six six K dudes. You know, they some gross people, but um, I'm looking at Zach Blair as well, Daigle. You mentioned so many people and only touched on one player in, oh in my pool of six. Oh boy! And it was Kevin Yu was the one that stood out to me. So I won't I won't touch on Kevin Yu. I will be playing him for sure. My other two options, who are also ugly. Have, are bizarro right like on one hand i would recommend luke list if you want the distance approach as a power hitter off the tee who absolutely cannot putt to save his life that's one way to take this the other way if you're looking for a different approach altogether is with ben martin who has absolutely no distance off the tee but is at least accurate and he's only lost strokes on approach in three of his last 18 tournaments. Um, I understand the last month and a half, really, haven't been great for Ben Martin, but if you scale it back and you look at his last 50 rounds, like the last 12 months, he has some T5s mixed in. So he's lost his way recently, but I almost want to take a chance on that as long as we're not negate, as long as like the distance factor doesn't negate him entirely. So those are two other players I'm leaning on and crossing my fingers. Ron, what about you? All right, so surprisingly, I've got four names here who have not been mentioned yet, so let me oh, go through God. these here. Um, well, again, these are perhaps some of the only four guys I'm even think about playing down here. Um, so I will have them maybe 5%, 10%, so I will take a few stands down here. But uh, 6,900, Romain Langasque, okay? Big hitter, 
Again, nobody's heard of this guy. I know some. there's been a little bit of chatter as the week's gone on. He's excellent on or on the greens. He's got three top tens on the DP World Tour over the last two months. He made the cut at the U.S. Open. Finished third at this course in 2019. So, again, I think he's, he might be, in my opinion, maybe the best 6K player nobody's heard of. Um, you go down to Daniel Hillier, another guy really young, um, scorching hot right now in the DP World Tour. In his past four starts, he's got a fifth, a third, and a win. So, again, probably the hottest player on that tour right now. So, again, just we talk about this all the time, looking for upside here. 6,900. Um, he's from the U.K., Familiarity with these courses, really hot coming in. You know, I'm going to take some chances with him. Um, I think Callum Taren, I know he disappointed a lot of people, including myself, you know, coming after Detroit, you know, his ball striking. I think he led the field in ball striking in Detroit. Goes to the John Deere. Of course, he misses the cut. Um, but again, he's a guy who ha does not have a lot of links history, which is surprising considering, you know, he's from England. Kind of has spent most of his time playing, you know, Challenge Tour, Corn Ferry Tour. So hasn't played much over here, but I think at 6,500, I think he does have some decent form overall um, coming in. And last guy, um, 6,400, a guy who just won the DP World Tour, Tom McKibben. Okay, definitely as low as I'm going this week. Um, a guy who grew up down the road, kind of where the US or the Open Championship, championship is in next week at Liverpool. Um, so a, a very young guy, doesn't have much experience, but again, Kind of as you can get the theme here, I'm really focusing on guys who have played on these types of courses, and I think 6,400, a lot of upside. Of course, he could miss the cut by 10 shots, um, but again, um, you're looking for just a, just a few lineups to, to scatter guys in um, McKibben, 6,400. I'm not saying it represents his round or the fact we should not play him, but I do know when I clicked on Tom McKibben, the first thing I saw was the 83 he shot in round two at the BMW International. Just that's the first thing that stood out to me, but that's a lot of 6,400 options. So yeah, I guess let's start at the top here because there's so many ways to do it. And we know we're all taking different approaches and we've discussed why to lineup building. So let's get three flag plants from the eight K's down. So I'll let you include anyone under Wyndham Clark at nine K three flag plants beginning with you, Byron. Okay. In the 8K range, I'll give you one from each. I'm going to go with heavy, heavy Adam Scott. I think heavy. I love what he can get up to in the 8s. In the 7s, I'm going to give you actually two. It's going to be Brian Harmon and Patrick Harrington in the 7s. I love those two guys, especially Harrington at $7,100. So maybe he's my guy. And then in the 6s, I am going to be pretty much going to CT Pan. I think... He's sneaky this week, $6,900. Ron? Yeah, for me in the eights, it's going to be Justin Rose. I just think his uh, consistency level, um, where it's at, his win potential, his equity to, you know, finish top five, top 10 at 8,700. I think that's going to be hard to pass up. And his ownership is very reasonable right now, about 12, 13%. Um, and then I'll take, I'll take two guys here in the 7K that I'm really high on. I think, um, like I said, Ryan Fox. And Robert McIntyre, I think those two guys, um, just their links experience and kind of low ownership at this moment in time. So I'm uh, really, uh, really looking forward to playing both those guys. What do you have Fox and McIntyre at ownership wise? I've got Fox around seven and a half and I've got um, McIntyre at 
six and a half. Do you prefer Eric Cole or McIntyre in a vacuum since they're both 7,400? Oh, McIntyre, 100%. Interesting. Okay. Something for me to think about. And then, uh, yes, I will go – well, Eric Cole is one of my guys, but Bobby Mack at lower ownership makes me think a lot. Uh, Kevin Yu, for sure, I'm playing. Jordan Smith, for sure, I'm playing. Even in single entry, trying to get a leg up on ownership there. And then – I don't want to say Justin Rose because you said Justin Rose. So I will also take. I'll say Luke List if you want a dumpster dive. That's my other favorite 6K play. Now let me just, just say watch, this really quick. Watch really quick about Luke List. Just so, I mean, just uh, he could be fully healed, but now when I, Detroit, so he withdrew after the first round. Uh, I saw him. He could not even walk. Like he, he had his wife there mm. helping him get into his car. Withdrew last week. So again, I don't know what his status is, if he's healed or not, but that's just something to keep in mind. That's um, something he hasn't withdrew. So yeah, just keep it in mind. Okay. Let's scratch Luke List. Uh, if that's the case, I'll just say Ryan Fox then. I'll agree with you. I'll play Ryan Fox instead of Luke List. Uh Byron, your favorite bet this week. Favorite bet. Bit of a Hail Mary. Eric Cole, top 20. Plus four ninety, so like top five 20. to one for a top twenty for Eric Cole. Got it, Ron. Um, I think Alexander Bjork at plus one forty for a top forty is an amazing number. I don't know if that's still there or not. I got that yesterday, and kind of in the same vein. I mean, if you want to look at Jordan Smith for plus one sixty for the same top forty, I think I think those two guys are just very underrated right now i don't know how i'm handling it for dfs yet and i understand we got him at 55 and 50 to 1 on the site but i still think wyndham clark outright even at 30 or 35 to 1 are still really good odds given his form so i'm just going to say that knowing that i already betted at that uh byron where can everyone else find the rest of your work this week we gotta do some barbasol young man oh yeah yeah let's do barbasol all right come on go ahead and start us with barbasol because i even messaged you last night saying tell me what i need to know about this course so tell everyone what they need to know about the barbasol yeah so i mean um it's a that's a really wide open course um you know we're looking at probably between the 20 25 underscore you know it's going to be a high scoring birdie fest there are a lot of thunderstorm threats um so weather could have an impact um the course was playing firm like firmer than usual from reports i've heard um, but again, if they're getting a ton of rain, that's going to change, obviously. Um, you got really scorable greens. Um, so, yeah, just a typical birdie fest. Uh, again, this the course is hosted. Keen Trace is the course hosted, I believe, since 2019. Uh, but, yeah, the field is not all that great. Um, and just looking at, you know, just just really quick, some of my guys um, that I, and I have maybe 10 to 15 lineups entered in. I didn't go too overboard. I do have 100% Akshay Batia, I think, at 9,500. Um, again, the question always will be for him whether he can make enough putts in a birdie fest, but um, I do like him. I think he's a great value. I think Justin Lauer at 9,300 is a really good play. He was eighth at the Barbasol last year, had a really good finish um, in Detroit. I think Patton Kazire is really a good boomer bus play at 8,800. Um, he's a guy who could, I think, very easily could win this event, a guy who can get very hot on the greens with his approach game. Um, so I think he's underrated. I think Ryan Gerard might be my favorite play. Um, 7,500. 
Um, I think he's had some really good high finishes lately. I think kind of this wide open, easier field will be very beneficial to him. And I'll give you one more play I really like, Satoshi Kodaira, who is 7,100. He's had three good finishes here. Um, he looked really good in Detroit when I watched him. And so I think he's another guy who um, kind of if you're looking to dumpster dive a little bit, I think he's a really quality player, especially if you're trying to, to fit a Lucas Glover, who I can't believe is 10-2. But I guess with his putting, I guess he's kind of kind of rounding into maybe he's going to become an actual, you know, well-rounded player for once. But, um, yeah, I think there's some guys like Kodaira, like Ryan Gerard, even a Tyler Duncan at 7,500 I think is very playable. Do you prefer – Batia to Peter Quest, who I think is going to get some steam at 10K given his recent play. Uh, yeah, I do. I think – I don't know if I would say Quest is, is you know, going to maybe take a drop back this week. You know, he's been playing so well. Can he keep it up for another week? Um, but I think you're getting $500 of savings there, probably less ownership, so I, I would. Byron, I know you'll talk about Andrew Novak since you've been talking about him for a month straight now. So go ahead and whoever else you like in the Barbasol. Yeah, Andrew Novak, 9,000 flat. Sign me up. I sent him a DM. He actually liked one of my tweets I, I put out there. So he gave me a thumbs up. He didn't reply, but that's okay. He's busy getting ready to win the Barbasol. Um, MJ Duffy went from the Scottish to the Barbasol, which I think you know any podcast that happened prior to that decision won't have Duffy on any of their sites, and he's nine thousand something so he's someone i'm really interested in in this kind of field cody gribble at seven thousand dollars is someone that played really nicely last week at the john deere and tano goya estanatanio or some random long name that's also tano he's sixty nine hundred dollars and he's usually sixty nine hundred dollars in a normal field and i had a really good top 20 i think last week jim herman also played really good golf Almost broke the course record as well last week out of nowhere. You can just light it up on the greens. He's 7,100 bucks. So don't mind those three guys. And then, I mean, Peter Quest, how can you not like him this week? He's just he's just Quest, Quest master, you know, just doing his thing. So we'll see what he can get up to. That would probably be my lineup I'd bold. Also, since you mentioned Kizire and Gribble, two players I have a lot of, um, my ugliest play, and don't look at what he did before the last month. But historically, Russell Knox was an accurate driver, an amazing approach play. And I don't know what's happened because for a couple of months there, he lost his way entirely. was literally just out there figuring stuff out. But the last month now, he's really gotten back into form, into being at least in the last 30 days. I know it's very short, small sample here, but like one of the best approach and accurate players on tour again. So I like squeezing in Knox at like 1% to 2% and hoping for the best. All right, Ron, what else do you have on the site for everyone ahead of lineup lock at 2.15 Eastern? Uh, yeah, we'll be getting the uh, DFS ownership, DraftKings ownership out there just so everyone can get a peek here uh, as the night progresses. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good night to kind of build lineups. Uh, be looking at first-round leader. Been so close on first-round leader, just finishing, like, second every single week. So um, we'll see what we can do. Maybe even throw a few barbasols as well on the grill. So we'll see. Uh, you don't have to give us the exact names. I know you'll have it in the Discord for everyone, but is your first-round leader going to come from the afternoon wave, given the advantage? Um, I think 
like when you look at overall tomorrow, it looks pretty even across the board. Like it's yes. hard to get a really definitive um, idea. So I know typically we always say the morning has, you know, an advantage because winds, you know, typically in America, at least they kick up more in the afternoon. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not tomorrow. So um, I might just go kind of play the best plays tomorrow. Um, so that we'll see, but that might be my strategy. Good, because Aberg was one of the ones I bet with the first tee time to be first-round leader. Uh, Byron, your work and where everyone else can find it for the rest of the evening. Yep, all my stuff at rotaborder.com. Go check out at The Model Maniac. That's all out there. All my articles are linked to that account. You know, back nine bits on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, the whole shebang. Um, let's have a week, folks. It's going to be a fun one. I, I love go not going to bed and just watching golf until I fall asleep. It's like one of my favorite things. As always, you can find Ron's DFS ownership projections as well ahead of lineup lock on betsbriskoff.com. And you have your office hours this afternoon, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, right? 4.30. 4.30 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned to that, especially again, because all of our lineups lock overnight. So until then, until next week, thank you everyone for joining. And remember, be a little bit kind of what's required. We'll see you for a major next week.